This episode of the Filmmaker Mixer podcast is sponsored by Reed's Cleaners in Austin, Texas. We launder everything but money. This episode is also sponsored by Piers Henry Headshots, shining the spotlight on you. Welcome to the Filmmaker Mixer podcast. My name is Andrew, and I'm joined alongside my co-host, Jeff, as always. Today, we have on some exciting guests. That is some of the cast and crew behind the film, A Gift for All Ages. The co-directors and cinematographer join us to chat about their careers, advice, and process of making the film. They talk about what it took to recreate a film in the style of golden era Hollywood. And for all of you filmmakers listening, they also have a discount offer at the end of the show to submit your film to the Borrego Springs Film Festival in California. Hello, everybody. This is the Filmmaker Mixer podcast, and tonight we have three very special guests. They were introduced to us by our good friend Stephen Bennett. Tonight we have the director duo Alicia Waslucky and Russell Webb, and cinematographer Matt Nothelfer. They are the team behind a very charming film called A Gift for All Ages. Alicia and Russell and Matt, welcome to the show. So we typically like to start with the backgrounds of our guests, you know, what inspired them to pursue a career in film and storytelling. So let's start with you, Alicia. How did you get into filmmaking? Well, I've been in mostly documentaries now for over a decade. I actually started my career, I would say, doing photography. I've always been a pretty visual person and, um, and that naturally evolved to video. And it's just, you know, it's a real great step up and, you know, to see the world in, in this way. And I've been doing that, like I said, for about, uh, 12 years now, mostly in documentaries, uh, a gift for all ages is my first time directing a narrative film. And it was just, it was really amazing. Just so much new things to learn and change your way of thinking. Um, just a great experience overall. So Russell about you on your website, it says you're a retired actor, director and theater tech, and you worked in theaters all over the country. Could you tell us about your theater days and how you made the transition into film? Uh, yeah, well, my theater days started about 1961 as uh, an acting student in high school. Uh, and from there, I've done a lot of acting and directing, set building, lighting, sound, anything you can do on or behind stage until I got out here to Borrego Springs and met Alicia and Matt and a few other people and got involved in the Borrego Springs Film Festival. So I decided at one point that after all these years on stage, I should try doing a film. So I got with Matt and Alicia and uh, I had this really nice stage play written by uh, Kathy Holland and asked them to help me convert it to a, a film script. And we went on from there. And Matt, um, as the cinematographer, it sounds like the past three decades, you've spent a lot of time mostly on the road doing, I guess, documentary work or tra travel films. I'm curious how you got involved with this particular project. Is it through your relationship with Path 88? Yeah, absolutely. As a matter of fact, Alicia uh, and Russ were the ones that kind of got this project going. And, uh, you know, they brought me on to help out uh, with some uh, visual assistance. But really, you know, uh, it was Alicia's vision and uh, Russ's vision uh, that they shared with me. And it was like, oh, wow, you know, we could we could try this. We could try that. And, um, 
yeah, just getting into it and trying to do something uh, kind of old school with the visuals was kind of uh, our thing. And um, yeah, I guess, yeah, that was that was really the most fun part about it, to be honest, for me. Was there a specific part you were looking forward to shooting the most, a specific scene or something maybe you haven't done before? Oh my gosh. Well, yeah. As a matter of fact, um, you know, Alicia had this, uh, this scene in mind in, in the movie where uh, we're, we were basically going to have the characters leave the stage because just to give you a little bit of background, the, the, the movie itself is based on a stage play. So we're, we're basically doing the entire movie on one stage. Right. But there's this one spot where we were going to leave and go outside of the stage. So we had to like figure out a, a weird way to make that happen. So we utilized like all these old school compositing techniques uh, and put it all together to kind of like make it, make it look like an old movie, but at the same time, you know, reuse the set in a new way. Um, it was, it was a heck of a lot of fun. And, and I got to give credit to Russ too, because uh, he built the set and allowed us to, to pull that off. Oh, wow. Interesting. And I'm curious, you know, as writers, was it more difficult or easier transitioning the stage play to screen kind of maybe not working with a blank canvas, but kind of transitioning that, those ideas over? Yeah. What do you think, Alicia? I actually found it to be quite fun. Um, I don't think that it was difficult. Uh, I also do a little bit of editing, so I, I appreciate parsing things down and, and having things done in as few words as possible. So I really enjoyed visualizing how something could evolve without having those words spoken and just visualize how that would happen. So for me, it was a great process to look at the script and bring it to the screen. So are you saying there were there were dialogue moments as a play that you reinvented as visual moments because it's a film now? Correct. Oh yeah, totally, totally. Yeah, we reinvented most of the dialogue, to be honest, because the way it works on stage is a heck of a lot different than what we wanted to bring to the screen, right? So. As a matter of fact, I think the stage play would have been about three times as long. Is that right, Russ? Something like that. Uh, it was pretty long, so we had to like cut it down. It might have been more like twice as long, but still longer. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we wanted to kind of like shorten it down, make it concise. And yeah, when Alicia and I started getting into it and we're like, oh, maybe we can switch this around, switch that around. It really became like this awesome puzzle to put together. Uh, and Alicia knows about puzzles. <laughs> yes, I'm a big jigsaw puzzle fan. <laughs> <laughs> well, on your uh, website, uh, you mentioned that you took inspiration from classic Hollywood films like The Bishop's Wife, which is a terrific movie. I love that movie. And your movie also reminded me a bit of Here Comes Mr. Jordan with Claude Rains, which is another one of my favorite ah. films. Uh, I really like the way you emulated that classic Hollywood style um, everything from the credit sequence to the optical wipes and all those things. I'm curious, it, it looked like a conscious effort in the way you blocked the film and moved the camera to kind of mimic that style. And I'm I'm guessing, I want to talk to you, Matt, about, about that in a second, but I'm guessing a lot of that had to do with the set that was built because that gave you all that, that freedom. So tell us about that. I know you mentioned that, um, Russell, you built the set. You uh, Tell me about that. I'm curious. 
yeah, well, my background is in set building and my idea for the the film, being an actor, I worked mostly on round stages and thrust stages where there isn't a lot of actual background scenery, but the audience is all around you. So I wanted this thing to work like that. We needed scenery. Matt, Matt made it work with, with his camera work, but uh, I, I went and found a bunch of scenery that I had built for the local theater and set it up on a soundstage that we had actually in a, a, a resort ballroom here in town. So we actually had a, a, a set and Matt figured out how to, to run run through it uh, with his master master shots. And Matt, did you do all that on like Dolly or Crane or how were you, you know, how'd you do that? Yeah, when we were trying to figure it out, Alicia uh, sat me down and we started discussing, okay, we're gonna do it this way, that way. Um, basically, you know, you got your three walls and you got a wide open fourth wall to the quote unquote audience. And we we're just like, how are we going to make this work <laughs> uh, emulating this old style? So we put it on a dolly and started sliding it around. As a matter of fact, we, we also like sat down with a 3D program beforehand and started looking through a, a virtual lens just to kind of like see what it would look like, see what our moves would look like. And we, you know, we put little, put little, uh, I don't know what are you little avatars on the virtual stage move them around you know they you know it's kind of like playing with your old star wars figurines one guy says this the other guy says that and we're all doing this in a 3d program and looking at it through the 3d camera and uh yeah that's kind of how we came up with the moves and we also wanted to make sure that you know we kept that kind of traditional look so you know the camera just slides left it slides right it pushes in well, it doesn't do anything too crazy in like old 1930s movies, right? So that's what we we're trying to hit. So basically, you kind of had an animatic almost by you you pre you previs the whole. Did you do it for the for the entire sh for the entire shoot for the entire um, for, movie? Yeah, for the master shots for the master shots, and it wasn't hard. Um, there's a you know a great free program out there. I'm sure a lot of the filmmakers know about it called Blender. And uh, there's some really simple uh, video tutorials that show you how to kind of like make that happen. And it's, it, I would recommend it for anyone. As a matter of fact, when Alicia uh, and I uh, kind of discovered that, we we're like, holy moly, it's, it's kind of like unlocking like a superpower in a way because we were able to previs so much stuff so easily. And it solved problems for us before we even hit the stage. Um, yeah, we want, Alicia, isn't it, we were thinking about shooting 4-3 aspect ratio right 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 yeah. and I, I and i also add to what matthew said about you know the the program and pre-visualization it was an excellent tool for our actors as well because you know we had met a couple we had a table read with the actors and they knew everything before they got on set but when they saw those avatars moving they they knew exactly what their blocking was where they needed to be it was you know it's like a, okay i see exactly what i need to do so it was it was an awesome tool yeah we brought the computer on set so not only could the actors look at it but then we would break angle and look at the set from above so like the dolly operator could see what the move needed to be and the timing of it all 
um, it was really super cool and easy. And again, I want to recommend, you know, for filmmakers like like you, Jeff and Andrew, you guys are making movies all the time. You're pretty prolific. I think you'd be able to get like a, a really great use out of something like this. So I would, I'm really happy that we stumbled across it. And uh, again, I encourage you for all those filmmakers out there to kind of check into it. And what was it called again? Well, it's Blender, uh, the 3D program. Yeah, which is free. It's a kind of an open source type of thing. And then you can look online tutorials that'll show you like, okay, how to how to basically do previs with Blender. And it's very, very basic. It, and it doesn't have to be complex. It's just, you know, a couple of figures in a room moving around a couch or whatever. And it's it's really fun to do because you kind of, you do it by hand. There's no real programming. So um, yeah, check it out if you get a chance. No, yeah, definitely. I, I'm kind of familiar with it. I've downloaded the program. I have yet to, to fully figure it out. It feels a little bit like when I like first opened up, you know, Adobe <laughs> Premiere Pro or something. I, I don't yeah, quite yeah. know what I'm looking at. Um, but yeah, it can feel overwhelming, but it's it's really not. I mean, once you pop into it for, you know, a handful of minutes, well, a handful of hours, uh, if you invest in it, it really pays off. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm curious, really just getting into all this, how long your guys's pre-production was because you know it, it feels a little bit more unique than most films with it coming from a stage play and all this previs and building a set i'm curious you know how long the process was leading up to shooting it well russ you came across the script i think it was a couple of years so you were sitting on the idea for a couple of years if we wanted to start at the beginning is that right russ uh yeah i kind of i think i got it from the playwright in 2019 and right after our festival in 2020 uh started working on it and i think it was 20. time runs funny in borrego springs <laughs> but yeah i i sat on it for a year just thinking about it and playing with it in my head and trying to see something from an actor's point of view. And then I started trying to adapt the stage script to a film script. And when I realized I didn't know what I was doing, I went to Matt and Alicia and they got it figured out. And then I think we worked on it, what another, gee, must be almost a year. Yeah, I think Alicia hopped in there at first and you guys were bouncing back and forth a lot. And is you know such an intriguing project. And then when it finally came time to like start doing the writing and move forward on everything, that was pretty that was, quick. Yeah, then it moved pretty quick. So I, I think that's probably kind of where the answer should start more or less. So, I mean, Alicia, you really were working on pre-production. Uh, I would say for about six months. Is that right? I think so. It was it it went fast, and you know, by the time we actually cap by the time we had our cast set um, and we were building the set, we we shot the whole thing in five days. So, you know, it had to be pretty tight. And so to answer your question, the long story is about two and a half years and the short one is about six months. <laughs> <laughs> I, I actually have a question for Andrew and Jeff, if you don't mind. I, sure. I, you guys seem to do a lot of stuff. So I was kind of curious how fast you turn around. Oh, wow. That's a great question. You know, it, it's all different. Um, Andrew and I did a couple of short films 
oh, gosh, several months ago, and those happened very fast. It just kind of fell together, and and we did three or four things back to back, and then we have other projects that you know we develop over a you know year, two years. It's you you, you spin a lot of plates, and they all queue up at different times. I, I I guess that's the best way I would answer. What do you think, Andrew? Yeah, I think you know, uh, without knowing exactly time frames, you know, maybe a month to two months ramping up from, you know, knowing you want to do something to, to executing it because it's all about trying to maintain positive momentum and, and motivation among oh, the yeah. group moving forward. So, you know, if, you, if you're if you going to string things along too long, people are going to start getting anxious or, or um, unoptimistic about it. So it's all about just capitalizing on the moment as well, I think. That's yeah, Alicia, Alicia knows yeah. all about that. <laughs> Yeah, I like your I like your spinning the plates visual, Jeff. But it's very very true. <laughs> That's something well, our actor Joey could have done during. Yes, the it's film. true. He, Joey, yeah. our main actor, he was. He, we found out on set that he was actually a circus performer in the previous life, oh, and wow. so suddenly we're like, well, let's yeah. do this. So you know, although we had a lot of things with, to accomplish in a very limited amount of time, we also we're free enough to know like, Hey, Joey can do this. He can, you know, juggle and, you know, spin a hat on his nose. Let's do it. Let's make time for that. Well, you know, actors that, that have uh, a strong command of their bodies that can really perform visually. That's, that's a special thing because it some is. actors are really good at that. And some actors aren't. And I mean, every actor has their strengths and weaknesses, but, um, but a guy or gal that really knows how to use their body in front of the camera and can, can can do those kinds of things is is pretty amazing. Yeah, that's, that's why he's our point. Joey. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, that that actually brings up kind of a curious thing in my mind. It's like the casting process was easily, by my estimation, one of the most important, if not the most important, aspects of our film. Um, and I don't know if you would agree with that, Alicia, but that's that's kind of how I see it. And I know you guys put a lot of work into it, and. Um, I was kind of curious, like you guys mentioned, like spinning plates and the casting. How do you feel about, you know, uh, Jeff and Andrew, how do you feel about casting? And are you able to do it quickly or do you take your time? I'm, I'm just curious, you know, to get your feedback on that, too. For me, I'll speak first and then I'll let Andrew jump in. For me, by the time you're ready to start casting, that means you're good to go and you're, you're ready to get this movie done. So I try to do it pretty quickly. I've always done projects where I kind of already knew the cast in mind, whether it be people I already worked with or someone, you, you know, the main actor you wanted to work with is going to be the main character. So that's kind of what got the the process started in the beginning. So I'm curious, you know, if you've worked with any of the actors you had in your film before, or were they first time uh, actors even, or, you know, how you found them? Well, we well, found Russ pretty easy. <laughs> 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 yeah, we should we do we should do shout out because Russell is not only the director, but he you know he's also one of the actors, and he was able to wear both those hats really well. So you know he he he's he's just like almost a triple threat. Can you sing, Russ? He <laughs> can do a soft shoe if you ask. <laughs> only if I have a lot of, of stronger voices fronting me, so I'm in the back row. How so long? how did you find the rest of the cast? I went, I started looking on Mandy and backstage, just looking at people available and making shirtless. 
And then Alicia started doing the same thing. And we got a list of people whose resumes looked right and then started contacting them. And, uh, I, and I will say that we got a lot of people interested in the project because on our profile page on backstage, you know, we told them what we were doing. And I think that the actors were just so excited to do something different, to do a period piece, to do long master shots. I mean, these, those are things that are challenging for actors. So we just had a real great representation and interest in the project from the very beginning. I'm curious, like with Russell being uh, the co-director and Alicia, you being the co-director as well, what that process is like as someone who's never, you know, co-directed something with someone, I'm curious what that creative process is like, if it's a lot of planning beforehand or putting two minds together on a day. It was having a couple beers at the end of the, no, kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, she's not. <laughs> um, no, I mean, we, I mean, it was the pre-visualization really helped. You know, a lot of what we did was already established before we even pressed record, you know? So we walked into there knowing what we wanted to accomplish, how much time we had. Um, we had developed a really great relationship with the cast and crew. Um, so all of that for me as a first time director went really, really well. Um, you know, I do mostly document documentaries. So, you know, there's a big, you know, margin of what's going to happen next. But this, I really appreciated the the attention to detail, the checklists have you, you know, if you want to say that. And, and I, I like that process a lot. So I found it very, very easy. Never having directed the film, I've directed lots of stage plays. Uh, but never having directed a film, I tended to kind of focus on the actors and their work so that when we were actually shooting, you know, somebody knew what he was doing would probably be behind Alicia, Alicia looking at the, the tablet and doing things through the camera. I found myself looking over the camera at the actors and then I'd make a suggestion about what they were doing but we had all gotten through the the meanings and the emotions and uh, the interactions it was all down to movement and matt and alicia were really great with that yeah the so. blocking and the whole choreography was fascinating because like alicia you know my background is documentary work and travel videos and such so all of a sudden we're doing this weird, you know, structured dance with the camera and with other people and trying to make this blocking look authentic and we're pretty green at it. So it was a huge challenge, but it was also so much fun to try to make it work, you know, because half the time, you know, the camera move wouldn't be just right, but the performance was great. Uh, and then, you, you know, you guys know what it's like. Then you try to find that magic moment where it all just kind of hits together and kind of harmonizes. So you dialed in, um, this is for, for Russ and Alicia, you dialed in the actors during the read-throughs. I'm assuming you didn't do a lot of, of adjustments like on set. Is that correct? Or That's correct. Um, we we had a couple of, we had Zoom interviews and, um, you know, and they, 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 unbeknownst to us, two of them ended up knowing 
a friend of a friend and they got together before the shoot ever happened. So they dialed it in. You know, the language in the film is also very unique. And, you know, a lot of times they would be like, I don't know, what is this, this dish that you're serving these puffages? What, what is that? You know, so <laughs> those guys actually got together and figured all that stuff out. So no, they, they were ready, ready to go. That was, that was the, the best thing about all of it was the, the professionalism and work that the actors did offset before they even got to the to uh to the shoot they had already done some work either individually or together the way actors really good actors do and they came in there with stuff so a tweak here a tweak there on a line reading not much of that at all and the movement they all were experienced in working on camera so what Matt had lined out with his his shots and the dolly shots and whatnot, they seemed to pick up on that and understand what needed to be done and just go in there and do it. And and Matt, I want to come back to you. Um, since you were going for that golden era Hollywood style, I'm just curious what choices you might have made, whether it be Lynn's choices or or you know your color correction or any any of that that you want to share on how you processed how am I going to get this look? Yeah, well, the first thought when Alicia and I started talking about the look, um, you say, okay, well, we're going to make this thing look golden era Hollywood. Uh, so that box is ticked. Now, how do we do that? Well, we thought about uh, vintage lenses. So we tried a few of those and we ended up using those on some shots. But as a matter of fact, it ended up being a very modern, uh, lens uh, on a on a hybrid camera, uh, the GH5. I'm sure you guys are familiar with it, um, and uh, that did most of the most of the work. Uh, the more important thing than than the lens look, I think, was how we decided to light it, and we wanted to make it look, you know, golden era where it's lit a little bit flat, but we still wanted to have dimension and some shape uh, to the lighting. So we had to be very cautious uh, how we did that because as Russ mentioned not too long ago, we actually shot this in a hotel ballroom and the ceiling height was what, how high was the ceiling, Russ? I, I forget, um, it was pretty low. It was, uh, I think just a little over 10 feet. Yeah, so if you can imagine trying to rig up a lighting grid with something where it's like 12, 12 and a half feet, I want to say something like that. Uh, and then trying to make all that work uh, together uh, was a big challenge. And then, you know, and then in post-production too, we added some, some kind of like special sauce to the look with film grain and whatnot. Uh, and then we would also push and pull our blacks uh, different ways as needed. You know how you can do uh, with digital these days, right? You can make the red look a little more washed out, or make it darker or brighter, et cetera, et cetera. So, yeah, we had we had fun playing that way. Absolutely. Did you have any sound issues? I mean, you said you were shooting at a hotel ballroom. Were there days yes. they had events going on? No. As a matter of fact, Alicia, <laughs> Alicia, why don't you why don't you explain why? Well, it was, we filmed our Christmas movie in the middle of the desert 
in September where it was about 110 degrees outside. Nobody was around. <laughs> it was quiet. It was very quiet. So um, we had the whole place to ourselves, really. Oh, yeah. Very interesting. <laughs> but it was great for the cast. We actually put them up in the hotel, right? So they would yeah. they would come to set, uh, right, roll out of bed, come to set, and then do the day's work. And then at 5 o'clock, we'd cut them loose, and they go jump in the pool. And, uh, <laughs> that, now, no, that's it, the way to was, make a movie. I like that. Exactly, right? <laughs> Easy commute. We, we were tempted to jump in the pool during lunchtime. Um, <laughs> but the makeup artist would have killed us. Yeah. Um, I'm curious, you know, staying on the golden era, it's uh, clear the music was influenced as well. Uh, as Jeff said at the top of the show, we have a mutual coworker friend in Stephen Bennett. I'm curious, you know, how you found him and what he brought to the table when it came to, you know, your post-production and composing. Wow. He brought so much to the table. I mean, he... He's an absolute asset to our production. Um, how do we find him? So we we sent out, you know, a call for musicians and Steven Submittal was off the charts. He like created a website and did crazy. some, you know, crazy stuff. We're oh, like, wow. what? <laughs> he, re he reinvented he an entire, no, not just the website, but like he and a friend of his created an entire uh, title uh, sequence for a movie that didn't even exist yet. We open up a uh, submission from a composer and all of a sudden it's like, oh my God, he's done about half the work for us. He's done, yeah. <laughs> he's done our marketing for us. This is wonderful. And as it turned <laughs> out, he wasn't our he wasn't our first choice. I still don't know why he wasn't. Me after neither. That. We had, for some reason, we went off on a couple of other people, picked one of them. She didn't work out. The other one then wasn't available. And we went back to Stephen, and it, I'm glad we did because it's the most wonderful thing I have ever seen. You well, know, he like was those, always at the top of the list. Yeah, he, it's sure. one of those things where, like, you know, that's the right one, but for some reason, you decide to punish yourself and do other things, <laughs> and to only to get back to the right person. It was ridiculous. Yeah, um, but you know, his energy and his enthusiasm and his talent, um, and you know, his love of this type of production and this era of film was just everything that we needed to to make it what it is. He he's an amazing person, an amazing talent. Well, Humphrey Bogart was not the first choice for Maltese Falcon, I believe. So there you go. You know, <laughs> you sometimes go. it's that second or third choice that does the magic. I don't want to give anything away, but I, I want to talk about the mouse. What? Uh, <laughs> Wilson! Was that, Wilson! Was that, I, I, I honestly, I couldn't tell. Was it, was it animated? Was it a puppet? What did you guys do? It was a pack rat. Should we tell? Maybe if he can't, if he can't distinguish it, I don't know if we should. Let you can keep it your secret if you want, but I thought that was a great touch. I really liked it. Well, great. Well, it was it was a puppet, and um, you know whose hand went... was in that side of that puppet? <laughs> whose hand was inside the puppet? Alicia was the handler. <laughs> Alicia did the puppetry. Yes, it was a small production. We all did many things. <laughs> But I must say that Wilson the mouse was also not the first mouse that we chose. So, but he ended oh, up being the one. Stephen, Stephen, and the mouse. Stephen. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and they're the best things about the production. <laughs> that was all done in your kitchen, wasn't it, Alicia? It was. It was. And then, of course, Matt put his amazing, you know, 
touches on it with his animation. And then, you know, Matt took it upon himself to do a bunch of pickup shots after we were done. And, you know, to, because we felt the first cut, we felt that there were still a couple of things that weren't right. You know how it is. And then you revisit a production and then you're like, okay, well maybe if we add this here. So Matt took it upon himself to create sequences and little bits in the montage after, you know, we had the, the, the premiere. So, you know, he really, him and Wilson really were attached and they worked very well together. Oh, speak, you know, I, I'm glad you said about the montage. I'm, I'm curious where the candle sequence idea came from. That was cool. Matthew, that was you. Yep. Was it? Yep. I, th I think we both wrote about that in the script though, didn't we? Yeah, I think we're trying to say how, what's the passage of, yeah, trying to yeah, yeah, you're, the you're, passage you're, of yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm talking about your, your uh, effect with the passage of time. Oh yeah, yeah, that was definitely in the script uh, before we, we before we filmed it. Um, the reason we got thrown off there is because a few of the montages were not actually planned out. We improvised oh. them on the fly um, because while we were on set, uh, Alicia pulled me aside and she's like, "Well, you know, it's going along good, but you know, it kind of feels like we're going to need to do this. Maybe we need to do that." And it's like, "Well, okay, let's maybe." What if we add like another montage here and how about this idea? So we, we improvised a little bit at that point uh, to, to add a few more things. Um, I guess the reason was, the reason was we wanted to get out of the room uh, because it's only just one, you know, that one location, isn't it? Is that right, Alicia? Yes. We needed to break up the pacing. We needed something to, to um, just, basically yeah get out of that room and show a little bit of movement and you know some energy so that those are the montage reasons yeah and joey had that energy and we're like well we got to showcase it somehow you know and uh so we added a few extra shots there and it was man it was so much fun that was great just coming up with it on the fly so yeah i'm curious you know after you guys have finished this film if there's one thing you learned either from this project, I know Alicia, you said this was the first narrative project you directed, um, you know, something within your respective roles, Matt as a cinematographer, Russell as either an actor or a director, Alicia as a director, something you wish you would have known or advice you would give to your younger selves when at the beginning of your career or something you could um, speak to for maybe younger folks looking to just get into the industry and not know where to start. Good question. Who wants to go first? Russ. <laughs> yeah, okay, I will. Uh, my younger self, one of the reasons I wanted to get in, you know, get into the theater was from watching all those golden age of Hollywood films back when I was a kid. I just never quite got around filmmakers and the film industry, but I was always around the stage uh there were opportunities and i guess what i would say to my younger self is a couple of them i probably should have bit the bullet and taken them but i never look back and regret because it got me what i did got me to where we did this film so anything i would have changed would have changed this but keep learning everything you can possibly learn even if it's how to sweep a good floor. <laughs> <laughs> well, the keep learning thing is important. And, and I'll jump in and say, like, if I had to give advice to younger 
me or younger people is if you're creative and you want to be creative, you got to just go ahead and do it. Um, like, again, you guys kind of blew me away when I saw what you were up to. Like you did like four films in the past 12 months. So, I mean, Jeff and Andrew, you're kind of inspiring as you, to be honest, because, you know, I don't work that fast. And I just think if you, if you got that juice inside you, you should let it out. And that would be the thing I would say to, to younger me is like, you know, don't be afraid to, to take shots, you know, make it happen. I would, I would echo what Matt said also, you know, just for me, it, what I would tell my younger self is just say yes. You know, if something comes up and you're scared or you're not certain or, you, or you're going to say, no, I'm not a narrative film director, I'm a documentarian, you know, just say yes. And if somebody gives you an opportunity to try something that's out of your comfort zone, do it, you know, because what I've learned doing this film, I'm taking back to doing documentaries and, you know, will I do another narrative film again? I'm not sure. Maybe I really did enjoy the process, but just, just take that chance and do something that you might not think you might, you can do. So wrapping up this episode, I know you guys are all Borrego Springs Film Festival committee members. I'm wondering if there's any more, anything more you could share about that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we have all been involved in this film festival here in Borrego Springs, California, literally probably one of the most beautiful places in the state of California, which is saying a lot. So we have been doing it now for 10 years. We're going on our 11th season and Alicia and Russ and I have been on the committee for eight of those years. And uh, we are independent filmmakers in a small town, just like so many other people out there in the world. So we would like to extend an opportunity for all you all that are listening to uh, submit to our festival, which opened up on April 1st. Submissions are open right now, but um, we wanna give you a free waiver to do it. So all you have to do is type in filmmaker mixer waiver on our website. And if you wanna to submit to our festival, uh, go to filmfreeway.com, look up the Borrego Springs Film Festival, hit the submission button, you're good to go, put in the waiver, we'd love to see your movie. Uh, you guys, you, Jeff, and you, Andrew, why don't you submit some of your films, and why don't you encourage your listeners to submit some of their films, and let's see if we can get some of you guys out here in Borrego Springs. It's really a lovely place, and it's a great festival, and I think Alicia would agree, and I think, Russ, you agree with oh, that? Yeah. Absolutely. And our festival is every year, January, um, Martin Luther King weekend. It's a five-day festival. It's a wonderful time to be in this part of the world. So give yeah, us January 11th through the 15th in 2024 this year. Next well, year. That's, that's very, very kind. That's a that's a, a wonderfully kind gesture. We, we really appreciate it. Well, our pleasure. You know how it is making movies. <laughs> you just you take any opportunity you can get to share your work. So, and, and you're not only sharing your work uh, and getting it out there, but believe me, if you have an opportunity to submit to our festival and get accepted and come to our festival, you're going to experience something very, very special. We have easily one of the most well-attended, uh, small, genuine film festivals, I think, in the country. It's, it's a really great place. Uh, we have a theater of about 200 seats, and it's packed for every screening. So, you know, you guys, uh, if you have a chance submit and i hope to see a lot of movies come in uh through this well that's awesome and again that's a that's such a kind gesture we appreciate it um 
Well, you know, Russell and, and Matt and Alicia, this has been a really fun conversation. We've really enjoyed uh, talking to you. Stephen speaks very, very highly of all of you. So uh, we were so glad to get you on the show. Um, we wish you the best of luck on this film and all your future projects. And, uh, you know, I always tell everybody, if you're ever down Austin Way, uh, give me a call. We can uh, meet in person and hang out. Thank you. It was a pleasure. Sounds Thank great. you, sir. Wonderful. We'll take you up on that offer. Thank you for listening to the Filmmaker Mixer podcast, a podcast created and hosted by filmmakers Jeff Stolen and Andrew Lamping and produced by Jeff Weber. Our theme song was composed by the only man I know who has kissed a giraffe on the lips, Stephen D. Bennett. Make sure to follow or subscribe on whatever platform you're listening to us on and stay tuned for future episodes. 